0: This is Patty Davis, I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in
1: Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer from the island of Kauai. And together we're spirit speakers where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points.
0: Hello, and welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast. We are discussing star seeds in this newest episode. This is Patty. And hi, Jude. How are you? Hi, Patty. <laughs> We're excited to dive into this topic. I feel like Jude has a lot more experience in this category than I do. So this might be kind of like a little interview, Jude. I might just be interviewing you on star seeds.
1: Yeah, right, Patty. Uh, you, you have a lot to add, I'm sure. I'll be picking your brain too
0: you guys are all really in for a treat. Jude has so much information on this topic and so much experience on it that I think it's going to be really an interesting episode. All right, so let's dive right in. What is a starseed? Starseeds are highly advanced, vibrant spiritual beings from other planets or realms, and many of them have incarnated here on earth to assist the human race. When we are choosing to incarnate, we have lots of options. We don't always come back just to experience human lives. Most of us have lived lives on many different planets, galaxies, universes, realms, dimensions, and we may even be currently living simultaneous lives in a variety of places or within different space and time platforms. So both Jude and I have read people that we have identified as starseeds. So starseeds... I believe, are those beings from other planets that have incarnated here on earth. So you can think of a starseed as an alien that's incarnated into a human body, into this human earthly experience. However, starseeds are a specified group of spiritual beings, and there are many different types, and they have a lot of different characteristics. Most our seeds seem to have an expanded awareness and consciousness, extreme empathic abilities. They're very intelligent. They have a lot of wisdom stemming from living multiple lives in a variety of different worlds. Extremely intuitive. Most of them are heart-centered, have extremely... Strong psychic abilities are healers, lightworkers, intelligent. They radiate a very high vibrational frequency, and a lot of them are healers or feel that that's their pathway here. They tend to be much more involved than those of us on earth, but they're here focusing on assisting us to help us reach our highest potential, to help us connect with our higher selves, evolve and transcend human limitations. All right, so Jude, do you agree with that? I'm sure you have so much to add, but do you agree with that basically?
1: Every single thing you said sounds exactly right to me.
0: Oh, good. So I have read people before that spirit has identified them as a star seed. And at the beginning I used to have to say, okay, what, what the hell does that mean? However, you have the ability to take it to the next level and you have a much deeper understanding of that. Can you tell me a little bit about how this came about, like how you got to the point where you were so connected with them? Was this through personal experiences with ETs? Was this through readings with other people? I'm just curious on where your knowledge began in this area.
1: That's a super good question. And if you were to have told me even five years ago that I would sort of be this... Expert? (laughs) I would sort of be this mediator of information when it comes to star seeds to people with the level of frequency that it happens now, I might not have believed you, but I wouldn't have been surprised at the same time because, you know, if we bring it way, way back, you can refer actually back to the extraterrestrials podcast, where I share a lot of the stories about my personal ET contacts. So that started way before I knew anything about star seeds or that that was a, thing that we could do, that we could have been some other alien race or something other than reincarnating as just a human being. So if we're to go back in time, the very first time I had a perception of people being something other than human uh, started in my very early 20s. And I had no idea what I was looking at, but It was the feline beings. I would be able to see the feline beings that were incarnate here on earth as human beings with a level of clarity that I couldn't see any of the other ones. I believe that to be true because I myself am a feline being starseed. I believe that I am more than one starseed, but I resonate most closely with that specific group. Later on, when I found out more about them, they are called Lirans. The feline beings are really connected with the Mediterranean area, Greece, Rome, Egypt, They tend to be super psychic. They're usually healers. They're highly spiritual. They have clairvoyance. They tend to be brave and courageous, and they have a level of confidence, and they have a very obvious, very wise, and very old soul, and they definitely stand out in a crowd. So literally for me within a crowd, every once in a while, it was very few and far between, but let's just say maybe once a year, I would see somebody within a crowd that had a cat face. And I would think, wow, that's really bizarre. That's really weird. The first few times I saw it, I was sort of like, oh, that was weird. I thought I just saw that person with the cat face. And then the third or fourth time I saw it, I was like, kind of staring at it like, wow, I'm seeing that again, that must be a thing. And then there was this one particular time I saw somebody and it was just as clear, as clear, as clear could be. They had a, it was a man with a cat's, like a, look like a lion's face. And so I just beelined over to them. I just started walking towards them because I had to see them up close. I had to see them in person And when I got about 20 or so feet away from them, the feline looking face faded away and I saw it was just a regular man. And it was at this point that I realized I was seeing something orically in people, but I had no basis or understanding of what it was, but I had seen it enough times on different people. And all of those people had a certain quality of energy. They had a very bright, strong, grounded, centered aura. Later on, I would come to have this revelation in myself that I myself was one of these lion-faced, cat-faced beings. And I understood then why it was that I was so easily able to pick these people out of a crowd. Eventually, I came to a point, and this is over like a few decades, you know, this did not happen overnight. Eventually, I came to a point where I became close personal friends. Some of my very close personal best friends, including my husband, and one of my best friends are one of these feline cat-faced people. And because of that level of intimacy I had with those particular people, I told them, I said, I see you as this. And they did not deny it. They absolutely felt it in themselves too, but couldn't explain it. It was like, I was validating something they knew deeply inside themselves that they couldn't explain. And then eventually it came to a point where I would pick out a total stranger and go up to them and say, I see you, you're one of the feline beings. And they would say, yes, I know. Because there's something about the feline being specifically, they're very psychic and very sort of spiritually advanced. And I think there's almost this lens that they're automatically born with that allows them to recognize other people from their like home soul group, from their source soul group. So later on, many, many years later, there was a couple of times that I had perceived people that I just knew were different. Like ETs. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew they weren't from this world. As my psychic abilities were developing, this information was coming in with more and more clarity. And what happened was I would say about five years ago, I took a class with a woman who in the class said, your homework tonight is to go figure out what your star seed origin is. And I, I had not heard this term prior to this point. I had no idea what a star seed was. And she explained this and she said, yeah, go look it up, go Google it. And I'm looking at her sideways. Like, what do you mean? Go Google this. It seems like some obscure, weird woo woo information. And you're telling me I can Google this and figure it out. I was very skeptical, but sure enough, I went home I googled starseed and all of this information came up there was a few websites that had sort of like a catalog of different et beings and the characteristics and sort of a little historical background about these different et beings and my jaw was on the floor because this validated things that I had seen that I had no point of reference to ever say that this was real. For example, the greys, the mantis insect type beings that I've seen and the cat faced beings. That was the first time I ever seen any reference to anybody seeing anything with humanoid looking cat faced beings and they called them lyrans. And this is what I saw online and a few others that I had seen and perceived, but I just didn't know what it was. I just thought I was seeing some sort of like supernatural or interdimensional being, and then realized now that these were ETs all along, and that when I actually read the articles in description of each of the ones that were available online, it completely aligned with how I saw and perceived them. So this as you can guess, blew my whole world open. But I really love how this knowledge came to me because it was something that came to me before I even read it or heard the term. This was something that was going on for many, many years, at least 10 years before I ever even heard the term starseed. seed. And um, since that time, five years ago, I think it was like kind of like a poignant turning point for me because for me to accept and know this kind of opened up my my vocabulary. I don't know. It sort of opened these doors up for me to receive more of this information. And over the next five years, I felt this momentum as far as how much information, how often this information, the type of people who are coming to me. And now it's almost like I have a very specific lens. If you are meant to know this about yourself, if you come see me in a session and, and you are a star seed and this is the information that's on the table for you, it will come up. It comes up more and more often. I'd say at least half of the people I read get at least one bit of information of their star seed origin. And then probably 10% of the people that have that get like a full star seed reading from beginning to end. It's just like a totally ET interdimensional intergalactic travel through their soul from a starseed point of view, but that's more rare. And so that's sort of been the journey of me getting to this point. And I didn't choose this. It wasn't, it wasn't anything I would have asked for. It just sort of organically unfolded in its own way. And now here I am. And I've, as far as my, you know, what you say expertise is on it, it's just that I've seen enough of it over the years now. It's like, it's like having a little piece of the puzzle. And I've just sort of at this point now put enough pieces together to kind of get a whole story and a whole catalog of information from my perception as to what these various beings are and a little bit of a backstory to them. So yeah, that's it.
0: I don't know that I've ever seen somebody look feline until right now. While you were talking, you totally shifted. I was just like, oh my God, I had a hard time not interrupting you. And and the way I'm looking at you on Zoom, the angle kind of, it's like your nose widened and flattened Mm -hmm. out
1: and your eyes, it's tripping me out. I've had multiple people tell me that when I get really into my channel and I start speaking really passionately about something, specifically something very elevated like this, people tell me when I get out of it, they're like, Holy shit! You're old. You just changed into something else, and they—it's usually like an ET feline, some kind of version of myself. Because I'm like tapping back into that energy of myself. I'm like stepping back into that skin for a little bit. So thank you for witnessing me and seeing me. Uh,
0: yeah, no, it was extremely clear. Was kind of blown away. I, you know, I wish I could sketch it for you. It was it was kind of trippy. There was one time when you were in a class that I was teaching, and you told me afterwards that while I was teaching that my face turned kind of alien, that my eyes got really wide and kind of wrapped around the side of my head. I've seen that
1: on you a few times. The thing about you though, Patty, is I cannot put my finger on what type of star seed you are. You are like an anomaly to me. You are set apart from anybody else. It's so interesting because I see you as somebody who's so open and you have so many just intriguing layers to your energy, but you are actually visually one of the hardest people for me to try to describe. I see you definitely as a star seed ET type entity, but I cannot pinpoint you or compare you to anybody else. Like a lot of people, sometimes I see them the first time and I'm like, what the heck is this? And then over time, I'll be, oh, I met another one and another one. And by the time I've seen three or four of them, I'm kind of getting like comfortable with what that is. I've known you a long time. I've seen you. I still have yet to meet somebody else that looks like you.
0: As far as what
1: I perceive you to be as like your ET origin form.
0: Wow. That's, that's interesting. So let's go right into visually how they present themselves. This is a great way to kind of segue into this. I think this next part, I, you know, and and we've talked in other episodes for me being an extremely visual person, somebody can walk in and I could be like, oh, fairy, you know, up whatever, but the the E.T. thing, I don't see them as individual races, and I don't know that I could identify them that way the way you do, but I can look at someone and and visually see in their features that they have a lot of non-human, Characteristics or that they carry a lot of non-human energy. And then as I get deeper into the reading, I'll get messages from spirit that will say things like, Oh, they're a spirit being, they're a star seed, whatever that is. Sounds like you obviously get things very visual as well. But I'm curious, is can you see that visually on a person's facial yes. features? Okay. Yes. Okay. It, it literally
1: too. looks like their face morphs into something else. Right. It's and actually, I want to bring this up, Patty. Remember when we were eating tacos and the ET visited us? Yeah. <laughs> did you actually see my face turning into that ET? Totally. Okay. So I let me just share this story in a little greater depth with everybody because we did make a post about it a few months ago. I was in California visiting Patty and we met up for lunch and we went to a Mexican restaurant. And right in the middle of lunch, this being appeared to the left of the table. Now, this is what's interesting. I could not see this being's head. I could see its shoulders all the way down to its feet and a a level of clarity that was alarming to me because we were in a restaurant with other people and I knew nobody else could see it, but it was, you know, it's alarming when you're seeing something at that level of clarity and there's other like, quote unquote, normal people around you who can't see it. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell Patty, I couldn't see the head. (laughs) Patty then told me, After I got done sort of channeling through what this ET had to tell us, she said the only thing she could see was its head, and it was because my head was turning into its head, and that was the only reason we were really able to identify, because it's interesting, like, as soon as I see the face, I could identify what an ET is, but if I can't see the face, it could be any number of things, if I'm just viewing it through the body, you know? I also find it interesting, Patty, that in the history of us talking about ETs, in the past you've been like, "I can never see the face. How come I can never see the head? I can only ever see the body." And I was like, "Well, because if you see the face, it's kind of intense, you know. It's not like it's a lot more palpable to take in the body than it is the face." And I just find that whole thing just comical to me that that I couldn't see the face that time and you did, but you saw it on me.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll agree with you that, especially after watching you right now and seeing you morph into this feline that you have that feline energy, but I've seen you morph into many different types of ATs or beings other than the feline. And, and this morphing thing is kind of new for me, seeing seeing your, your face morph, for other people's faces morph into something. And I've fairly recently had a client that totally kept shifting into a reptilian during the, mm-hmm. the reading. But this is kind of new for me. In the past, it's been more of a direct knowing spirit telling me what it is and me passing that information on to them. But for you, you've seen this from the very beginning reading people you've seen, other than recognizing within their characteristics, you've seen them morph. Is that something That happens regularly?
1: It's not often and it's not for very long. It takes, I think, a a huge amount of energy on their behalf and my behalf for that transformation to happen to bring it into that level of clarity. So it happens just enough for me to catch what it is like, wow, I just totally seen you turn into a reptilian. Wow. I, you know, some people come in really strong. For example, when I had one client specifically that is, was a reptilian, they kept changing into it. I almost couldn't look at them throughout the whole session because they just kept changing into it. But I think there's something with that reptilian energy because it's a little bit denser. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little, you know, it has more gravity to it. So maybe it manifests within this third dimensional space a little bit easier. Whereas like somebody that I would perceive to be, um, an Andromedan or a light being, it's a very, very high, high frequency energy. And to me, that's a big jump in frequency from that dimensional plane to this dimensional plane. So it's not going to show up as easily. That's how I theorize it. But yeah, I have seen people's skin fully turn like a different color and their eye shape change. And, uh, I've looked at my friends and like, had to like jumped back at, from them startled and begged them to stop. (laughs) I remember (laughs) with one of our mutual friends, I was like, stop, stop. And she's like, what, what? And I was like, stop, (laughs) stop changing your face. I can't look at you right now. (laughs) I've had moments like that where it's like, I'm hiding behind something because it's so shocking to me to see it. But yeah, sometimes it's a blip. Sometimes it's for a few moments or. But yeah, it can be very intense to see somebody's face totally morph into something else. That, that's so interesting what you're saying about the reptilian,
0: because I 100% agree with you that I've had other other ETs, people show up in other other forms, other ET forms, where they will shift for just a moment. But when I had this reptilian, it kept happening every like you know 10 seconds, 15 yeah. seconds, and it was really distracting. And- Did you get
1: the slit eye thing? Was it yeah. like the eye? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that secondary eyelid or whatever. Yeah, like it's like a, like their eye has that like slit, like a cat eye, but then you'll see like a little flap go really quick. And then there's like this sense of like texture and their skin color will darken. There's like a a texture that goes like rolls over their skin. It's wild. It's wild.
0: It is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And, And super distracting to try to do a reading on someone because- I was experiencing this for the first time myself, and I didn't even really even have a chance to ask spirit, you know, is this person going to be able to handle hearing that they're reptilian? Because I was just kind of like, holy shit, myself trying to get used to it. And um, yeah, it's, it's a trip.
1: I love how you said that. Can this person handle being told they're reptilian? Because I have that thought every single time, because I think there's so much like negative press online <laughs> as far as reptilians yeah, go. Right, right. But I don't see them all like that. I've seen reptilian type beings that look very like dragon. They called draconian, like very, you know, you can tell they're intense. And then I've seen other reptilian beings that are more like chameleon, like Like they have that softer green, that, you know, more smooth reptile texture, and they have like kind of more clarity in their eyes. I think that they are part of that, you know, reptilian type lineage, but I believe that there's reptilians that also exist in a more higher frequency, a higher form. I don't think they're all created equal, just as we have many different types of reptiles here on earth. I think that that also exists out throughout the cosmos as well.
0: So reptilians, lizard people, draconians, they are thought of as shapeshifters and they can, you know, the negative aspect of that is that they can be somewhat dishonest. They can be a little bit power hungry, manipulative. They're here seeking power, a lot of them here on the earth. And it's believed that a lot of people in high political positions
1: are actually reptilian beings. Do you agree with that? I can't deny the possibility of that because I myself see beings. I know that they're reptilian. So yeah, that's definitely a thing. Have I seen that specifically on political people? Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I will not name anybody, but like the, I have seen some of that kind of reptilian aura on one in particular that I've seen, but I'm not going to say. Um, yeah, I guess I do say I do agree with that, but I don't know how deep it goes and if it's as intense as people want to say on, in those conspiracy theory circles. All right. And we've been talking a lot about visually and, and
0: again, you and I are extremely visual people. However, for me, I am empathically picking up on energy and reading people's energy fields in addition to visually reading them as I know you do. And there's a totally different energetic frequency around those beings and there have been times when it hasn't shown up visually and I get into the reading and as soon as I start connecting with their energy field, that's when it hits me like, oh, you know this is one of their first incarnations in the human world or oh, they have a lot of energy you know from a different planet. And I know that you see it visually and I know you see it energetically. Can you describe a little bit about how you pick up on the
1: frequency of these, these star seeds how that differs? I or bet does it's- it differ? I bet it's very similar to you. There's just this immediate sense that this person comes from somewhere else. They don't, you know, it's interesting now because I can almost describe how I perceive frequency as in tones, like sounds, like a hum. Mm. They have like a different hum to them. And uh, I'm immediately pulled sort of out into the stars. I'm immediately pulled in that direction. And I feel like I'm not here humming at the earth frequency. And that happens first. And then as I'm going through the session, more and more information will unfold. Some people like reveal it. They lay it right on the table. The second I see them, they're like, this is what I am. And then some people it's Mm. like, it takes a little bit of a digging and as you all know that i read through the chakras you know sometimes the first five chakras are really mucked up and out of balance and then i'll get up to the sixth chakra and it'll be totally blasted open and bright and then i'll get a clear window right into the starseed energy of the the first five chakras might just be like regular everyday stuff and then bam all of a sudden i get a peek into their true higher self and that's that version of them that's trying to like drop down more into the lower chakras and be more integrated, you know, but then there's some people who, when I read them, it's like all their chakras are really clear. They're very aligned. They're very elevated. And it's just like, no question. The second I look at them, what I'm looking at. So yeah, it is a frequency. It's an energy. It's like a a vibration or a hum sort of that comes first. And visually that usually comes second. Okay. Interesting. I thought I would read off just a couple examples.
0: If you Google starseeds, these are some of the things that are going to come up. These are some races that are um, pretty well known. I have read people before, you know, and I said, Oh, you're a starseed. You're from another planet. And they're like, which planet, you know, which starseed am I? And I don't generally get the information as specifically as you do. If I ask for it, sometimes it'll come in. And there's been times when spirit has said, you know, you're not from a well-known race or a specific planet. So these are the ones, there's a list of just some of them that are kind of well-known that some of you may have heard of. And June, I know, I know you're gonna add to this list. There's the, the Syrians, the Pleiadians, Octurians, Andromedans, Orions, the felines, Reptilians, the Lemurians, and the Atlanteans. There's indigo, crystal, and rainbow children, lightworkers, Jude spoke earlier of insectoids, And Jude, I know you have some others to add on.
1: Well, I also perceive there being sort of just humans, advanced humans that existed in other places besides Earth. So it's like being a human in another place in the universe and then incarnating here on this specific terrain. I see that as a starseed. People from Mars and Venus, Martians and Venusians. There's a variation of greys, many different types of greys, I mean, that is a whole catalog in itself and also winged beings. I see many different types of winged beings, but I also want to add when they say these like Pleiadians are from the Pleiades, Syrians are from Sirius, Andromedans are from Andromeda, Arcturians are from Octurus. saying that is sort of like saying they're from Earth. We encompass many different cultures, many different colors. I mean, from one hemisphere to the other, two human beings can seem totally different in so many different ways. So saying somebody is a Pleiadian could be a very vast range of different types of beings from within the Pleiades. But there are some like sort of specific common ones that show up as Pleiadians. There are more well-known beings from the Pleiades, for example, I'm sure those who might know them, some of the Pleiadians are known to be like very beautiful looking human beings, generally with pale skin, blonde, almost like platinum blonde hair and crystalline eyes, like light blue colored eyes. That's a common visual of what a Pleiadian can look like, but that is not totally limited to what a Pleiadian is. I think that there's other beings within the Pleiades that could look far different. So. Just to let everybody know that this is very broad, these names, these are just vocabulary words that are covering like a very huge, you know, spectrum of beings. And like you said, Patty, when you're doing readings and you're like, well, where are you from? And you're hearing, well, you're not really a well-known ET group. Sometimes when I'm looking at people, it's just right on the head, Pleiadian, Lemurian, Ecturian, Andromedan. And then other times I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. I don't know where you're from. I can't place you. You know, I'm, I don't have coordinates in the universe and I don't hear direct names. I'm not a names or dates or numbers type person when it comes to my abilities, but I know I'm looking at an ET and I, I can only imagine that there's probably tens of thousands or more of different races that look different, but there seems to be More of a population of specific type of ETs that are incarnate as star seeds, but that doesn't mean it's only limited to those like dozen that we discussed.
0: All right. So as you were just saying, for instance, let's talk about Pleiadians. That those Pleiadian beings can vary quite a bit, just like a person from the Earth. However, when you read somebody and you identify them as a specific race, say you identify them as a Pleiadian, are you assuming certain things about them? Certain characteristics, their gifts, their abilities, their purpose here on earth? Is there a basic assumption there that you move out from? Or do you see them each very individualized?
1: I see them each very individualized. Completely. And the only reason I would identify them as a Pleiadian is because that's what source is telling me. Sort of like with my own abilities, I'm limited to my own vocabulary and my own knowledge. They're not just going to give me some random name I've never heard of before. And because I'm very familiar with Pleiadians, it's very easy for them to like reference point that from my catalog of wisdom. You know, They're like, you understand Pleiadians, they are a Pleiadian. And so I'll see it in them for certain, there are certain characteristics that Pleiadians have. I mean, what is your perception of Pleiadians? I don't get the specific,
0: and I think just because it doesn't come into me that way. I get more on, this is who you are. This is why they're telling you this. This is how you can find empowerment through this. These are some tools that you can use because of this, rather than going specifically into where they're from and what that means. So for me, it's super individualized. And I think that's why I don't even really pay a whole lot of attention to the title or the label of where they're
1: from, if that makes sense. Okay. So uh, let me rethink that. So yeah, I guess I could say if I get a strong hit that somebody is a Pleiadian, that would come with a number of assumptions, I guess, or understanding because of the history I have of understanding them. It's like I already have a catalog of information, so I can kind of assess certain things about this individual because I am seeing them as a Pleiadian. But it doesn't work like that. There's not like this uh, kind of re-regurgitated information that I give everybody. Their session is completely still just uniquely about them and what their specific mission is. But in my perception of the Pleiadians, and this this is my take on it, and you could go online and look this up through other people and it may or may not align, but my perception of Pleiadians are they are a group that are very close in vibration to human beings. They're sort of like one step out of our realm. So it's very easy for them to connect. Also visually, they're very similar to human beings. So they're more closely in alignment with our frequency. And because they look so closely to us, I think they're sort of like a a safe group for humanity to bridge this awakening and consciousness opening to the idea that there are other beings outside of just human beings and the pleiadians are very heart-centered and they have a deep 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 reverence and care for humanity and it seems to me across the board that pleiadians are here in service of humans they're here to help human beings everything and anything they can do to assist us in our spiritual evolution that's how i see pleiadians and not all et's have that same agenda Different star seeds have different missions and different things that they're contributing to the overall progress. Not everybody here is just to help people um, become more intuitive and, and tap into their empathic abilities. Some of them are here to, you know, to change the system to improve our technologies, to bring new ideas. Some are here just to inject new visuals, art and music. They could have any number of reasons why they're here, but I see Pleiadians as people who are here to work with people specifically and to help humanity.
0: Nice. So I have read people that have had difficulties in their human lives being you know, in a human body, dealing with the human condition, with the third dimensional reality. And a lot of times those people will show up as a star seed to me. And so some of the symptoms, I put together a little list here of people that I've read, people that are star seeds that have some difficulty. So here are some symptoms. Oftentimes they feel that they don't belong here. They feel homesick, they don't know what home means, they just feel like something's off or something's not right or that they don't fit in. They tend to be extremely intuitive, psychic and aware and extremely empathic to the point of being a victim to their empathy and being in a place where they have a, a extremely difficult time controlling that empathy, protecting themselves and living as such a strong empathic being. They also oftentimes are really drawn to and by animals. They seem to be able to connect with animals a little bit easier than humans and a lot of times. Mystery illnesses, you know, just like non-diagnosed weird some of these autoimmune things, some of these strange physical sensations that no doctor has been able to help them or no modality has been able to explain it. And again, that's because they uh, oftentimes are newly inhabiting a human body and it takes them some time to have an understanding of that. They're spiritually expansive, aware and knowledgeable beyond what they've been taught. They have the ability to channel and bring in information, have uh, mystical experiences, also really cannot deal with bullshit are super sensitive to bullshit to trivial and petty crap it's like they just have such a spiritual connection that they know there's so much more beyond that and that there's so much more potential and and that lower vibrational stuff really irritates them. They tend to be the people that stand up for the underdog that are ecologists and wanting to work on behalf of the planet and mother earth. They also feel that they're here with a definite purpose. You know, I can't tell you how many people come in to see me that say, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And a lot of those people, I see them as star seeds because they are less caught up in the Drive of life and trying to succeed by how much money you make and you know a lot of the things that that many of us were taught growing up they they have a recognition that they have a deeper purpose they know that that's important to their happiness and to why they're here and so they want to know that they also are healers and aware that they're here to be of service and sometimes not all healers are supposed to be doctors or nurses and healing comes in a lot of different ways so I have a lot of star seeds that realize that they're healers, but they're not really sure how that is supposed to manifest. So those are some symptoms that I've seen of beings that are starseeds that are trying to have a better understanding of their time here on earth. Jude, do you have anything to add to that or have you seen that?
1: Oh yeah. I think that the characteristics of their place of origin have a lot to do with their characteristics here on earth I think some of the more interesting cases that stand out to me are when I've seen people who were incarnate greys so now there's like a lot of different greys there's short greys tall greys and a variance of greys in between and Grays to me tend to be a little bit cold when it comes to the emotional scale. They don't run very high or very low. They're very even keeled or kind of like one note when it comes to the emotional plane. So star seeds that were originally grazed before they incarnated as human beings oftentimes have a really hard time with the human emotions. They don't get it. I'm talking not, not about people who are volatile and all over the place and very empathic and overwhelmed. I'm talking about those people out there who are like, I don't get why people get so excited about things or get so depressed or get so angry or so worked up. They, they just don't get it because it's not part of their like natural constitution. Like their natural way of being is they don't have that range. And so coming into this human body and not having a full awareness or practice within those different Emotions, mostly negative emotions or very intense emotions can be very off putting. Those are those people that were like the quiet weird ones they always say and interject the weirdest thing at the most off time like they <laughs> sort of have um really bad social cues. They uh, say the most awkward or oddball thing. They tend to be very intelligent. They tend to be those people who retain a lot of like odd trivia that really has nothing to do with anything because it's facts and and trivia and things like that are devoid of emotions. It's, It's not about reciting a deep poetic experience. It's more about just numbers and retaining information. That's, it's just more intelligent. They're more cerebral. So those are star seeds that I've seen that were originally gray's. And then also amongst the grays that I've seen as starseeds, I've seen a few of them in our LGB community because the grays also don't have a sex. They're not definitively male or female. They tend to live in a, what do we say, sexless and or androgynous space. So a lot of um, people who identified other than specifically male or female, I've seen before I even knew. You know, it wasn't obvious when they walked in that they were gay, straight or whatever, but when I described to them, oh, you're a starseed and you're this, and you come from sort of an androgynous place, it's not definitively male. And they're like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. This makes so much sense because they don't feel that in themselves. They've never been able to identify themselves. So that's another interesting kind of characteristic that I've gotten from starseeds. That's, that's super interesting. I
0: have done past life readings on people that I'm reading that are star seeds, which is super interesting. And what has come up a lot In this, and and Jude, I'm curious to hear if you can relate this to a specific race, is communication issues. Because when I've gone back into a past life, these beings, many of them have come from a place where all communication is telepathic. It is all energy relating to energy, and there's no need for words or, or physical cues. So these beings tend to have difficulty picking up on physical cues, on relying solely on verbal communication. They have the ability to read people, but when they're trying to have a deep conversation with somebody, it's frustrating because there's still many of them working on a telepathic level. And a lot of them have been diagnosed with being on the spectrum or Asperger's or something because they don't relate to some of those physical cues or pick up on some of the emotional things like you were speaking of.
1: Yeah, that whole being telepathic, and to add upon that, there are higher density beings in higher dimensional places where everybody is very heart-centered and very open, and They don't have to worry about somebody coming at them with a negative energy or an ugly energy. So, everybody's very open and connected and unified. And then they come here to Earth and they still have this habit of holding their energy super open and exposed, but they live in a reality. This is sort of like a a mixing pot of all these different beings at all these different levels of consciousness. And not everybody is projecting positive energy. So, those people also can have a very difficult time. And not only how they are able to give energy and communication, but also how they receive it because they're used to holding their energy in a certain way and it being safe. Basically, everybody's running at a high sort of unconditionally loving, unified knowing, you know, and also I think that we live in a unique place here on earth where people have been so deeply stripped of the higher connection or the higher truth that we live in this stew pot of like different belief systems and everybody's trying to find their way back to source in one sense or another and a lot of these beings where they come from there is no question they're so open and so elevated that their spiritual knowledge and knowing is absolute it's as soon as you think or wonder or ponder the answer is there it's not like here where you have to dig and, you know, go down many different pathways. till you find one that really aligns with you. So it's sort of like this like lifestyle that you had as an ET and this encompassed everything that you know, and then you come down to earth and there's like a big bleed through from this place of origin that you come through. But I want to say that that's not completely transparent all the way across the board. You got to imagine it as like any one human being who's well-traveled or not well-traveled, somebody who grew up in their small town and always stayed there forever and ever. And then you pluck them out and you put them across the world. They're going to stand out. They're going to feel weird. They're not going to understand. But then you take somebody from that same town and they spend you know two decades of their life traveling to all these places, meeting all these different cultures, exploring all these different things. They're going to adjust a lot easier. You're going to pluck them out and put them across the world and they're already going to be able to kind of meld in a lot easier. They're gonna be able to blend in and acclimate much easier. It's the same throughout the galaxy. There are some beings here who've never really left where they originated from or have only been a few places. And then there are souls who are well-traveled. They've been to many planets and many places. And even though this might be their first time on earth, they've been around the block a few times. They're well-traveled. They know what it is to kind of step into a new zone. I think the ones that really stand out, the ones that really pop out that are having a hard time are the ones who don't have a lot of practice being on earth or haven't left their particular place much or at least in a very very long time. And that's the way that I see that. I love the way you
0: describe that 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 make, as far as being well traveled or or well read that makes a lot of sense. That was yeah. that was a great one. Um another thing I've seen with star seeds is There's a little bit of difficulty with authority and morals. And these are heart-centered, caring, loving, wonderful beings. However, they are trying to live within man-made rules, restrictions, and judgments, and that's really difficult for them. And it's almost like they sometimes seem to have a little bit of confusion around it. Like they really want to do the right thing, but they don't fully understand because they're wanting to really follow their, their frequency and their vibration and where they're being called to within the sense of freedom that they've had in other places, and then they're constricted here by the human man-made decisions on what's right and what's wrong.
1: Right. I agree with that. For example, like the reptilians, I see them as coming from a really structured hierarchy. So they tend to gravitate towards roles and positions in life that there's sort of like a class, status, stature, those who are more powerful, those who are less And they can adhere to that very easily. Whereas somebody who would be like an Andromedan, these are very high dimensional beings. I mean, and just to give you a brief description on Andromedans, they tend to sort of have a blue violet periwinkle skin. I've seen them with usually no hair, very oversized, beautiful eyes. They're very high frequency. They're very empathic, very intuitive. They're working in very, very high spectrums with high dimensional beings. And they tend to be sort of the unicorns. They tend to be very sparkly and very bright, but kind of ungrounded and unrelatable to a lot of people here on earth. Those people are ones that have a problem with authority to me. They don't know how to follow the rules. They're more free floating. And I believe that like sort of the society that they come from, there's almost just like a direct knowing within them of how to be and how to be correct. And we don't need this like structure and hierarchy. Whereas, you know, reptilians, as I see them as our more denser kind of consciousness. So they need that. And then I also believe that there's some starseeds who are here to sort of abolish the tyranny Like they're here to see the corruption and to fight against it. Like that's their, that's their whole trip. That's what they're here for. So, you know, some of them, it's not just because they're used to it or they're accustomed to it or not accustomed to it. Some of them are literally here to fight it. That's part of their mission. Interesting.
0: Well, we've talked a little bit about people that have incarnated star seeds as one of their, you know, they haven't had many human lives or they haven't had any lives here on earth. So I think this would be a good time to talk a little bit about indigo, rainbow, and crystal children. So the reason why we identify them as children, the indigo children, is because when they came into this world, they already came in with... A really high spiritual connection came in with full remembrance of their divinity, their abilities and their gifts. This isn't something that they had to remember over time, or develop their spiritual being or their connection with their higher self. They just naturally came in with that and they already have it. So these are star beings again that are incarnated here with full remembrance of their divinity and their abilities. They have collectively come in to help the earth and to help the human race expand. And they also may be living simultaneous lives as star seeds or as ETs and humans at the same time. But generally, Indigo Rainbow and Crystal Children have not had very many human incarnations prior to when they come in and we identify them as one of these beings they have been watching many of them have been watching and studying and waiting for the right time to come in to assist the humans so they don't come in fully ignorant of the human condition but again for many of them it can be difficult because it is their first time in a human body living within the restrictions and the limited space of the third dimensional reality so first of all I'll start by talking about indigo kids and i love this because Jude and I each have a daughter named Indigo. And when I read this, it kind of gave me goosebumps. So Indigo children are very third eye oriented beings. They are strong. They have a super open third eye and their sixth chakra. They are psychically oriented beings. They realize their psychic abilities from an early age. And usually that shows up and parents start to recognize that right away. They're sensitive and empathic, self-determined, really strong-willed creatures. They have a strong trust in their own intuitive abilities. They um, usually have a technological understanding. My daughter was like three and helped me set up my phone, even though she'd never had a phone. It was crazy. They are coming into the planet to bring in new ideas and they come from a super high vibrational, pure energetic space that as humans, they can kind of suffer sometimes from um, some of those undiagnosed illnesses that we talked about, autoimmune issues, environmental sensitivities. And my daughter really suffered from a lot of that. So these indigo beings, many of them have not had a human life before. And this is brand new. They're just these pure, innocent, sparkling beings, but they have this wisdom about them that kind of contradicts that sparkly innocence. It's, it's interesting. Do you, Jude, see some of these traits in your daughter?
1: Totally. When the first, I'd say year of her life, it was hard for me as a mother because it felt like she didn't like being in her body. She was very uncomfortable with it. Um, Even as a little baby, they call it colicky sometimes, but none of the colicky things we could do would make her feel comfortable. It literally looked like she was constantly trying to fit in her body. She was always, Mm. she could never sit still. She was always crying, very uncomfortable. And then seeing her grow up compared to my older daughter, who I can tell you from the go, knew how everything worked. Potty training, you sit around the toilet, she knew what was up. The first time she picked up a pencil, she held it correct, wrote with it perfectly. Indigo, the first time I gave her a pencil, she's like, breaks it, like, she's like, what is this? It took her forever to figure out that it was actually a writing tool, you know? And she was like that with everything. Everything has always been absolutely brand new. And intriguing to her. It's like she has to inspect every single little thing. I theorize this, though I don't know if it's actually correct. So I'm wondering, do you think that these indigo crystal children are souls that have been brought back to source and purified and brought back? Or do you see them as like totally new, like the upgraded version of what souls can be? I personally
0: see them as beings that have not incarnated on earth before, or have so few times that they already have this innocence and this purity. I I don't see them as like cleansed or or rebirth. Do you?
1: Right. No, I don't really either. But sometimes I always question this because I do get that same, like, wow, they're really pure. Like their energy is super clean. You know, in comparison to reading somebody who I would perceive to be like a crystal child, which they're kind of older now. So it's kind of silly to call them children, right? Like, because a lot of them are young adults. Now the indigos and, and whatnot, they have such a purity and clarity in their energy field in comparison to what like a normal human being is that has like layers of karma and trauma and wounds and imbalances that are going on. It's almost like there's all this stuff in the way, but at the same time, it's very like, like a juicy read because there's a lot of things to look at. But when you get like somebody who's super pure for me, at least it's like, it's just so light and so bright. And there's like, I don't have this whole historical reference for them of like all these lives that they've lived. But I agree with you. There are sometimes I'll meet crystal rainbow children that are, I think have maybe been here a couple times. And if they did incarnate here, they were probably in very high vibrational lifetimes, like as an Atlantean or like a monk or something very kind of like special and elevated. They're not just coming in as you know a regular human being. My daughter, when she was
0: little, I have, my kids are pretty spread out of three kids and they're all five years apart. My older son's girlfriends would come over and when she'd leave, my daughter would say, did you see, do you do notice that brown spark in her eye? She has like a little brown spot in her iris. Or she'll say, did you notice that ring that she had on? She was so observant. And really, when it came to people would bring up things that I would never recognize at all, like so in tuned and curious about every little thing. It was just interesting, the things that she would pick up on. So I wanted to um, next talk about crystal children. So Some people believe that the indigos came in like the nineteen seventies into the eighties. Then the crystal children came in the eighties, and then the rainbow children came in the nineties. I don't see it that way because you know both Jude's daughter and my daughter are quite a bit different in age, but I believe they're both indigo children. So I don't really follow that.
1: Do you follow that, Jude? No, not the dates. I guess you know I I do think that there was like waves though. I believe most of like indigos came kind of in one chunk and then crystals and then rainbows came Okay. So crystal children
0: where the indigo children are more in their sixth chakra, the crystal children are more in their crown chakra. They have their crown chakra being s- super spiritually connected. They are the beings that are, can be painfully empathetic, spiritually, mentally, and physically. They pick up on everything. They're so spongy. They're deeply spiritual. Um, they have an open heart, have a really strong connection to their own divinity and to the divinity of others, extremely high vibrational frequencies. A lot of times their aura shows up as pure white are primarily white, they are telepathic communicators because, and this is where we were talking about earlier, because they are such telepathic communicators, a lot of times they have delayed speech when it comes to actually using their voice. They have a strong inner voice, but these beings can also be diagnosed with autism because they are so sensitive because they don't communicate in a way that many other humans deem normal or, or what's expected for them at that time. And because they are so spiritually connected, they can sometimes lose focus and be focusing in on something that, um, you know, many of us may not be aware is that these are the beings that feel homesick that just are like, I want to go home, you know, and they don't really understand what that means a lot do you, do you have any experience with crystal children?
1: You know, it's interesting hearing you describe all of this because I know that when it comes into the lighter, higher spectrums, you see with more clarity. But when it comes to indigos, crystals, and rainbow children, I don't know if I can distinctly tell what is what. I just, I sort of group them all together and I can tell some are like way pure and way more elevated, but I'm like, I don't see that fine line where I'm like, oh, you're a crystal and you're an indigo and you're you're a rainbow. Uh, Do you get that specifically or do you get like a hard hit on them being in that specific category or?
0: You know, this isn't something where like you have in your brain, all the traits of these ET races. These aren't traits that I have memorized. You know, this is like spirit has told me they are a rainbow being, and this is what that means. Or they have told me that they're an indigo child and this is what this means. I tend to get more of my information downloaded directly from spirit, but I do see them as separate. I have seen them show up as different beings, different types of, of beings. You know, I believe that rainbow children are actually the children that this definitely is their first life where indigo children may have had a few. With rainbow children, I feel like this is their first human life. And they're the ones that tend to, you know, they don't have any karmic debt. They have a purity that's really beyond where I kind of feel like the indigo children, oftentimes, I don't know how they could have karmic debt, but I do feel like they're working out some karma.
1: Would you agree with that? Right, I would say indigos I see as potentially having had a number of lifetimes, but they feel really balanced. And I think that's where I was coming from my earlier question of like, do you think that indigos are maybe like old souls who have been purified or have been balanced and are now coming back with this more like elevated, more upgraded version of their energy? And then for me, I'm just, you know, this is what I'm theorizing. And then when I get to see like more of the crystals, that's when I'm like, okay, you clearly never lived another life and maybe even rainbows. And Indigo, even though I named her Indigo and I see her as an Indigo and or crystal child, I don't think she's ever lived any other lives. I think Indigos could also not have lived lives, but there is a group within these advanced beings and they are younger people to me. Like, I don't think I've ever read anybody over a certain age that I perceive to be one of these beings that have lived past lives, but I just don't see them as carrying a lot of karma, if any at all, maybe a little, but, but hardly. Yeah, well, Rainbow beings
0: are believed to again, be ascended. These are like some ascended masters that have come down and chosen to come into human lives. We've talked a lot about volunteers, beings that have already had, you know, human lives and decided what, you know, are done with their karma that have come into a help us. I believe that rainbow children are coming in. They haven't had a lot of human lives, but they're volunteering to come into this human life to help us ascend. They are not coming here to work out any any karma or learn anything or have an awareness of everything. They are already so advanced that they already, they know it all, you know, and they're just here strictly and primarily to help us where I feel that crystal and indigo children, even though they may not have had human lives or many, they come here, they have their own purpose. In addition to helping us, where I see rainbow children as ascended really high vibrational beings that are here just as like little angels on earth to help us. You know, they usually tend to be born into, they manifest being born into really healthy, happy, balanced families because they don't have any karma that they have to work out or anything. And then they not experienced a human body before. So they are the children that really require a lot of rest. You know, they're the children that sleep a lot, that tend to worry about the state of the world those really young children that I just say profound things like mommy I'm afraid you know that humans aren't gonna ascend to the limit of their potential and you're like what you know <laughs> I've had moms that have, have that told me things like that. I'm like your your three year old said that you know that type of thing. So they're here to help us ascend and to help us restore balance. And I feel like there's a lot of them coming in right now because we're in this space where we're really wanting to transcend into higher frequency dimensions. And these beings are here just purely as volunteers
1: to assist us. So I I agree. It's very interesting to hear you go more in depth on your point of view of it because I see it all the same way too. I think you have like more of a a clear distinction between it, but as far as those rainbow children and them being ascended masters, a hundred percent. And I'm seeing this as like the very, very young group, like the new, new kids that are coming in right now. And they are, I was going to add that being born to more elevated parents, more conscious parents, and they do need a high level of sensitivity and tenderness. And I see them as, yeah, not only being here to help humanity, but they are just in their own frequency, injecting you know, a higher vibration onto the planet just by being present here. It's like, they're just these energy generators and they're lifting the frequency just by being here. So it really is a blessing that we're getting more and more of these types of children. It makes me hopeful for the generations to come.
0: It can be difficult on the parents, you know, it's like, You know, we're here to support and to assist. And if we have a child come in that is so advanced, it's hard to know what our role is there or how to support them. It can be tricky, I would think.
1: Now... There is an older generation of star seeds that I categorize as light beings, and I'm not saying they're the same as the rainbow crystal indigo children, but they're beings that come from a dimension of light, and they don't really look like they have a form or a physicality to them in the same way that I could be able to say, well, oh, like a Pleiadian looks like this, an Ecturian looks like that they just look like bodies of light have you encountered any type of beings that you would have perceived to have incarnated from a source like that
0: i would say yes and i know that when you read people you really put a lot of time and energy into reading their auric space for me that that will show up sometimes sometimes it won't but when i read light workers that's what i notice right off the bat is how bright their aura is that they are just a sense of light with almost like a little bit of a faded human uh, right figure figure right. in exactly. there exactly yeah
1: yeah like there you have a formish of human but it's just like a body of light i compare it a lot to uh do you remember that movie cocoon the first oh, original yeah. cocoon right. and those beings came out of the like eggs and they were just like light and they were floating around like they, they sort of look like that to me
0: <laughs> yeah i would agree so light workers they tend to be a little more grounded they're in their higher frequencies and light but they seem to be a little more um a little more present or a little more grounded, do you think Yeah, so or-
1: I, I think so too, because that's what I was getting into is like these other light beings coming from, yeah, they have a very pure high vibration that they're bringing in and they're definitely elevating the overall collective frequency, but they have a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience here on earth. I see them as people who are old mm-hmm. souls, who've been here a lot. They keep coming back to do the work, to assist, and they've been doing it for thousands of years over and over again. You know, they're sort of like more ascended beings that have been doing the work since the beginning of time. That, that's sort of how I see them.
0: So when I was speaking earlier of the volunteers that are coming in, would you consider them a volunteer? Because if they, you know, if they they're old souls and they've had many, many lives, there's a good chance that they've worked through a lot of their karma, yet they choose to come for the betterment of the human race. Do you agree with that or not necessarily? Yeah, I
1: do agree with that. And I also see it sort of like the reason that they've been incarnating so many, maybe hundreds of times, is to get so good and so become such experts of like the human experience for this time now, you know, it's like, they're often therapists to me, you know, like Mm, psychologists, psychologists, therapists, uh, people who are helping people with the human condition, like what it is to be human and all the challenges that they have. And I see them as people who come from, like I said, a dimension of light and they're very healing. And they came in with a mission and purpose way back when, in the beginning of time to learn all the ins and outs of what it is to be human. So that by the time they get here in this like craziness that we're living in the world right now, that they can help people be better human beings. <laughs> like sort of, that's sort of a way that I see that. Um, well, let's talk about Lemurians star Seeds. Okay. Okay. And I know that you have also perceived people who are now in human form that were Lemurians in a previous incarnation. Am I correct in that? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm seeing that more and more. And uh, the Lemurians, if you go back to our Lemurians podcast to get a little bit of the backstory, um, just a brief overview of it, are beings that do not originate from earth. They are star suits. They come from somewhere else. But for me, they've been here longer than human beings. So it's hard to, for me to see them as being not of this earth. They've just been here so long. But before that, they were from somewhere else and they are sort of like Pleiadians where they're um, sort of one step out of our dimension. They're very close in frequency to the humans, which also, as I described with the Pleiadians makes it easier for them to bridge to human beings. And they do look different. They're very tall and thin with pale skin and maybe like long white hair and light colored eyes. They've also been referred to as tall whites or I think a and they tend to live underground or under mountainous regions. And there's a history that has been recited through various channelers and contactees, and I will have to agree with it on some level because of my own contact, that there was some sort of cataclysmic event that happened far a long time ago. And a lot of these original Lemurians were sort of like wiped from the earth. And in my perception of it, a lot of those Lemurians who left originally, I believe the ones that were left behind are still here and have been here over all of these thousands of years. But the ones that had left in the original cataclysm started going through the karmic cycle of human lives and we're coming to this point now right now because there's a big shift happening right now and what is unique about this very specific time is that this is the time in which many people all over the planet are being awoken to their starseed origin or to the original mission of where it all started and why they're here and what it's all coming to And I meet a lot of these Lemurian starseeds, I think specifically because I live on Kauai and a lot of the people who are drawn over here, whether they be visitors or people who move here or people who are born here are drawn here because there's this sense of, of being home. There's a very big portal open here that bridges people back to that resonance of something they're familiar with so I need a lot of them here. I think maybe if I lived somewhere else, I wouldn't see them as much, but here I do. I get a lot of Lemurian star seeds, and so I see these as the original Lemurians who were wiped out in the original cataclysm that are reincarnating back, and they are now being reactivated and reawoken and getting to remember this is who they truly were, and so with that comes them like reintegrating all their gifts and their, their knowledge. And what's unique about Lemurians, as opposed to, let's just say Pleiadians or people who are off planet, Lemurians are very in touch with the planet earth. They're very connected to the ecosystem and the water and the plants and the animals and the way the stars move around our planet. Like they're very wise and very knowledgeable about the function of earth in comparison to maybe some of the other ETs. And that's how I see the Lemurians. So people who are Lemurian star seeds tend to have like, they tend to be like herbalists and they're really into nature and they're really into working with like crystals and the subtleties of the earth energies. They're very earthen type people, but also have sort of like a cosmic wisdom about them as well. Do you have anything to add to that, Patty? I have a couple things. I love Lemurians. For some
0: reason, they are the ET race that I resonate the closest with that I feel most comfortable Mm -hmm. around that I can relate to. I just feel like my energy flows with theirs much easier. And it's kind of when they show up, it's kind of like, I'm like, Oh, hi, I want to like, sit down and chat with them. They just they have a very calming, soothing, they can be kind of serious, as we've talked about this in our episode on Lemurians. If you haven't listened to that, this might be a good time to go back and listen to that episode. I just I love their energy. And like I said, it's the the least jarring of any ET type of energy that's come in for me. Yeah, I love that. And I live just a few hours from Mount Shasta, which is where a secondary place that they're believed to reside in. So between Jude and I, we've had a lot of Lemurian encounters and Lemurian energy. Jude, one thing I wanted to ask you about, though, is that you described the appearance of Pleiadians almost identically to the way you described the appearance of Lemurians. Do you see any difference between them or do they, they just oh, look they, really There similar? is a
1: difference, but they're similar. Um, I've seen Pleiadians standing with Lemurians a couple times. Oh, they look different. But they look different. Like To me, and this is like I said, there's probably a whole broad array of them that I haven't even seen yet. But what I've seen are the Pleiadians look more closely to human beings the Lemurians to me look like stretched out human beings. Like they have a very gaunt, like long, you know, where it's a little bit like, whoa, like if you saw like a, you know, really tall, very thin, pale person walk by, it would definitely be like, whoa, that person looks different. where to me, a Pleiadian, outside of them being stunningly gorgeous and beautiful, you would be like, my God, it's like a walking angel. It's just like somebody who's like a flawless human being walking by. They're just just stunning, but they could totally blend in. Um, with the exception of they just have this aura and this sparkle about them and this just love in their eyes. And I agree with you. They're both m- the most palpable of all the star seats to human beings. Because as I said, I, I believe that they are most closely resonant to our frequency and they are in a higher frequency in a state of love. And they really have this tender loving care towards human beings. And it's like undeniable. They really just love human beings.
0: Yeah, it's, it's beautiful.
1: Another one of the star seeds that I've seen, which is very curious to me and really unexpected actually, were the aquatics, the aquatic ETs, the ETs that I think resonate with like watery worlds, whether they be sort of dolphin-ish, whale-ish, or manta ray-ish, I don't know how to describe it, but I've definitely perceived some star seeds that have a very aquatic mermaid type kind of vibe to them. And you know what, a lot of those people who, our aquatic starseeds are very watery people. Like they're avid scuba divers and snorkelers, or they love the water. And those people are also very high vibrational, loving, and spiritual beings. Another starseed that I feel like I could dedicate an entire like book on are the winged starseed beings. And if you look back throughout our culture, there's all across the planet, there has been depictions of winged beings, whether they be angels or like Icarus or Isis or Quetzalcoatl, like all sorts of different beings that were depicted with wings. And in a dimensional sense, I've seen these winged beings that I categorize as like high angels angelics like deities and or shamanic winged beings, winged beings that are more resonant with the indigenous peoples. So I see those type of starseed beings too. And when I see winged beings, those people are also very much healers and bring a lot of wisdom uh, and spiritual sensitivity into this earthly place. Hey Jude, maybe I'm a winged being. You said you're a hundred percent a winged being.
0: Yeah. Well, you were saying earlier that you can place me as a star seed, but well, you talked about seeing my wings.
1: Let's talk more. about that for a second. You are one of those ETs that, that sort of have form and sort of don't have form to me. You sometimes almost look like a, a conscious piece of geometry floating in the void. <laughs> Interesting. Like, there are some ETs out there, I believe, don't have like arms and a head and legs, you know, like in the classical sense. There are some ETs that are just conscious blobs of energy, and y- you're a conscious blob of energy who sometimes has. <laughs> I feel like a blob fairly often. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it like that, but I know. Um, yeah, you're like a like a crystalline vortex of consciousness that information is moving through. It's very high and very elevated, but there's definitely at times like a little bit of a form of sort of like these ETIs that are interlaced within it. So I don't know. If I ever get a direct hit on what it is, I'll be sure to tell you. Yeah. I
0: resonate with the winged, the winged beings. So I have one quick question for you. You've spoken about the felines, the aquatics, and now the winged beings. When we're looking at physical manifestations of felines, if we're looking at a domestic cat or a tiger or a lion or of the aquatics, a dolphin or a whale, do you see a correlation between the physical manifestation of these type of beings and the
1: ET of these type of beings? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that there's a reason for it. I think that perhaps some of these creatures that we have here on earth were maybe brought here or dropped here by these other beings. I mean, it's uncanny and it's also throughout our history. This is not new. This is not something that, you know, is just something that I've seen. I've seen it and then have been able to validate it through stuff that I've seen as a historical reference. I can't say for certain, but I just say, I speculate that we probably have dolphins because, dolphins originated somewhere else and we probably have cats because they originated somewhere else you know and just because I have a really clear opening with that with the feline realm let me describe it to y'all because I bet you there's a lot of you out there who probably resonate with this the felines live in a realm that sort of looks like a tropical desert And the buildings and the structures within that place look like sort of like Greece and Egypt mixed together. It's like pyramids and pillars, like the stone, like alabaster white staircases with huge, like long courtyards with deep pools and giant pillars. And these feline like beings, they look human from shoulder down. Uh, But their faces look very much like a cat and they can come in all different colors, white, brown, yellow, all of that. And they have, uh, you know, humanish looking eyes, but very, you know, they're sort of like a human and cat eye mixed together. They wear sort of like tribalistic clothing. They look like like you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at me, y'all. You'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, I've seen these portals open up and I've given sessions to other people, specifically psychics who without being cued, without them knowing any of this part about me, I will go through a sound healing and they'll come out of it. And I've heard it many times. I was walking up a pillared stairway and there were these cat people there. I've heard it multiple times. So I know that these are the beings that are working with me when I'm doing the sound healings. And uh, anyways, just wanted to share that because I feel like some of you out there might resonate with that description. Beautiful.
0: I have had a few readings with people, more than a few, a handful of readings with people that are simultaneously living a ET life and a human life. And not simultaneously as in their, you know, each happening at the same time. So maybe it's not, maybe simultaneously isn't quite the right word. They tend to come in for a spell and be humans. And then they tend to go back to their other planet and report and be non-humans. And then they come back in, in and they are not restricted by time and space. And they go back and forth, back and forth. The people that I've read that are in the middle of this are exhausted, (laughs) because you can imagine switching I don't know. It affects you more than like you're a human traveling from one space into another because you're actually shifting from a human existence to a non-human existence. However, going back and forth and that switch in vibrational frequency is exhausting. These people tend to not sleep. They tend to not really be able to rest. They tend to sometimes just be in a little bit of a state of exhaustion and confusion because we're psychic beings. We tend to have a lot of bleed through over from past lives. So if this is happening, popping in and out in and out, there's bleed through on both sides. And so June, I'm curious if you've ever read anybody that that has been happening to.
1: I absolutely have. But I find this interesting because you and I've actually really never talked about this specifically. And I absolutely have had at least a good handful of people that I felt that same thing. Like there was like a direct communication sort of happening in real time about their experience here on earth. Like they're bringing back part of their experience and information back to their home planet or home people for whatever reason, that observation of them being more tired it's not standing out to me. I can't recall if that was something that jumped out to me, but the next time I read somebody and that comes up, I'm definitely going to see if that's one of the symptoms that they're having. You're validating for me right now that that's something that I have also seen. And I thought that was weird. The few hand, you know, maybe five times ever have I told anybody that something along those lines. And I thought it was weird when I told them that, like, how do I, but I get it though, because these higher density beings from, they don't, like you said, are not confined by time or distance, you know, they're, they're, everything's happening now for them. So I don't, I don't really understand it, but yeah, I've seen that same thing where there's clearly like a a communication, you know, that's happening between there and here for them constantly.
0: Interesting. I think my dad was one of those beings, you know, and the more I learn about them, the more I can be like, oh, that's what my dad was because he just always seemed a little not totally there, and a little out in space. And he was extremely psychic. Had tons of alien communication and experiences, and just it just makes sense to me now. It's kind of like ah, oh, I can kind of label him as one of those people that were in and out, in and out. And he talked a lot about he ex- described it as being taken by aliens, but I'm wondering if it was just him remembering, you know, transcending into that space. Super interesting. I'm glad you've experienced that too.
1: Yeah, and I've also experienced a sense of um, certain star seeds being watched and observed, but not seeing them as like directly traveling back, you know, whether astrally or whatever through their consciousness. It's sort of like these other, their like soul group is just imagine. And I believe this to be true. I know this sounds wild, but that there's a lot of ships up there in the sky that y'all can't see. They're running at a different frequency, they're cloaked. At any given point in time, there had been times in my life where I would look up in the sky and see at least twenty ships. You know, I've learned to tune that down and tune that out so I can live a normal existence. But I've always remembered it was like I had enough of that window opening to know that they're there and that that level of frequency. And let me also note to you that let's just say ten years ago, I could be looking up in the sky and in an hour's time probably be able to point out some sort of craft that was clearly. Something different, not like what we could say is a satellite, something that was clearly different. You know, up until about 2017, 2017 was a changing year for me because up until 2017, I would point these out to people and they would never see them. Or as soon as I'd point them out, they would disappear or whatever. And then at 2017, it just flipped where every time I would point these out to people, people would see them. But since 2017, where I feel like in a given hour, we might be able to see one. Now in a given hour, I can see many. If I sit out there and I look, I'll see many. And so this gets me curious about where this is going. I think there's a lot more of them revealing themselves right now. Having said that, I also believe that there's a lot of them out there that are cloaked. And I believe that your soul group of your, like if you were an octurian there might be octurian ships out there that are keeping a close watch on their cosmic cousins who are here incarnate on planet earth and they're assisting in every way they can sort of like spirit guides giving them upgrades giving them downloads helping to help them find their other soul group starseed soul group here on the planet like they're assisting us up there in every way that they can i really do believe that
0: I agree. And I've also gotten a lot of information lately on reading um, ETs and meditating and picking up information that we've talked a little bit before, I believe in our ET episode about people being chosen as ambassadors or being chosen as people to assist the aliens or the ETs that are coming in to help us. And what I've been getting a lot lately is that it's like their ancestors are coming or they're joining them or they're starting to feel more comfortable where they are because there's a much higher presence of their beings. Like for instance, if someone was an Octurian, all of a sudden, they're starting to feel more comfortable here or starting to really feel that something's about to shift because there's a huge presence of Octurians that are close. And they're utilizing the people that have incarnated from that space or people that are of a high vibration as almost a beacon or a tag point or a portal. It's kind of like they need our vibration to come in properly it's almost like some of us are being chosen and a lot of us our vibrations are raising really high so we can assist them it's almost like they by having us hear a little antenna point or something, they're able to utilize our vibration and come in a little bit stronger. So a lot of us are being called forward to be of assistance, to have an awareness, and then are also being kind of like called home or are being reminded of where we came from so that we can be of assistance with our ancestors from other realms and planets to help them come in to help the planet and humanity and where we are.
1: Right. I see it. So much exactly the same way. Like one of the groups that I see sort of have been peppered all over the planet and they create sort of an energy grid. And this energy grid is helping sort of the flow lines for the healing of the planet and for humanity to move things. But in the way that you describe it, it also creates a grid in which these beings, these ETs out there in the stars, are able to like bridge down and connect with the people more. And I love how you said people are feeling more comfortable now because the frequency is raising. People are becoming more attuned to their people and forget the beings that are up in the ships. There's a lot of them here on earth with us too, (laughs) y'all. They're here. (laughs) They're here. Some of them, you can't see them. And some of them are totally disguised as human beings. And so there's a lot of energy, a lot of energy moving around that we're not always paying attention to, but is benefiting us. It is benefiting us. And uh, I know that a lot of this communication is happening. It's being trickled into us because what I want to say here is. They cannot just fly a ship down, land in your yard, walk out, knock on your door and say, hello, nice to meet you. Everybody would freak out. So- You got to understand that. And they're interdimensional beings. So they're going to acclimate everybody very slowly. I believe it starts in dreams or so I was told by one of the ETs that I talked to. It starts with dreams. It starts with maybe feeling different tones, vibrations, frequencies, lights. It's getting sort of like a direct download of communication. And it starts there before it's ever going to turn into something where you're getting like a face-to-face or seeing an embodied figure in front of you. So I just want you all to know that not to get spooked out or freaked out. And for those of you that are sitting there, like I'm open, I'm waiting. Like, why aren't they showing up? You got to trust. They know better than we do than our ego does of what we're actually ready for. Because I've been there before too, where I'm like, come on, I'm ready. I've, I've been prepped enough for this, just show up. And then I find I'm so humbled in the moments that I do get a contact. I've been getting more and more contact and communications. And oftentimes I'm really tempted to put it out there and tell people what's being told to me, but I also don't want to freak people out either, (laughs) but uh, at the end of the day, I really have a full strong faith in knowing that this is as crazy as the world looks right now. It's all headed to a better place and we have beings out there. They're not here to save us. They're here to assist us in our own mission to help save this planet. Let's just make that clear. They're not here to save us. They're here to assist us. It's up to us and uh, you got to do the work to keep your vibes high. Yeah, I feel like um, this is all happening for a reason. I think this knowledge of starseeds and our awakening, this is new, this is unprecedented. Like people globally are waking up more and more, more in the woodworks, more who haven't even come out or afraid to come out or don't even know how to define or explain what it is that they're experiencing. You very well might be one of those people right now listening to this podcast being like, Oh my gosh, now all of this makes sense. I had no idea what the heck any of this was until now. And once we have that knowledge and understanding, we're able to embrace these gifts more and more and um, you know it's all our individual responsibility to hold on to this faith and hold on to this knowing that things are moving in a better direction. and this is what I think the ultimate message of these beings are to us is to acknowledge our own individual power so that we can co-create a better reality for ourselves. So that's what I want to say about that. Beautiful. I'm also getting, I've been told that the number of people that are
0: being chosen to be contacted by ETs and the alien race is starting to grow more and more people are going to be enlightened and have an awareness of, like you said, that they themselves are star seeds or be ready to connect on a deep level to non-human beings And it's kind of like the ETs are warming us up, they're preparing us and they're, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of people like you, Jude, that are comfortable with this and have a wisdom around it so that you can help everybody else be comfortable with and everybody have an understanding of it. You know, I I called my kids and said, you know, the ETs are coming. Don't be fearful. You know, it's all going to be okay. And they're like, okay, mom, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Kind of thing, but they're they're preparing to come June, and I both truly believe that it's not very far off, and that many, many more of us are going to start seeing ships, getting visitations, having realizations that we are star seeds, and that's going to assist us in acclimating to that energy when it does fully arrive. And I know sounds like a crazy person, and that's what we're getting.
1: I'm right with you, Patty. I see it the exact same way, and uh, it's difficult because, on one hand, there's, I want to scream it to the hilltops and let everybody know because I feel like it's, there's almost nothing more important than to know this. But then I also get that there's a lot of people who are not yet ready to accept that this is a part of the reality. And as far as ambassadors go, yeah, I do think that there's a select people who've been groomed to be the buffer for when this all opens up. And I think there's going to be a point of momentum where all of the ET awareness. Blossoms very quickly. And I think it's going to be very jarring for a lot of people. But there are going to be people who are better prepped, who have an understanding of what they are and what their intentions are and how to work with them more directly. But I want to tell you, I get more messages and contacts than I readily publicly admit. And I just want to share that one of the last messages that I got was, This is not something we're waiting to happen. They're already here. The doors are open. The veils have been lifted. It's just a matter of them respecting us as human beings and where we are at in our level of consciousness and not overwhelming us. So those of you that are ready, I have certainty in knowing that there are people who are listening to this and they are already on the level. They already know, they've already had the contacts, they're already getting their own downloads, their channelings, they're seeing these beings, they know. And then there are people who are just dipping their toe in the water. And there are people who have not had any, and maybe after they've listened to this podcast, things are going to start opening up for them. The doors are open. They are just being respectful to each one of us individually as to what we're ready for and how we're meant to receive our personal level of contact. You know That's what they told me.
0: Well, Jude, I I would just like to end by saying that you are the person that has taught me about ETs, that has helped me open up to it and gain a deeper respect and understanding. And I just wanted to thank you for that because I really feel like you've really helped me and opened that up and guided me. And I really appreciate you.
1: You're very welcome. And I appreciate you being receptive and open because your comfort and ability to receive what it is that I had to share gave me more comfort in sharing that with others. And it's something I'd like to share more of in the future. And one of these days I will. It's a fascinating and interesting conversation to have. And I look forward to a world in which we live that this is part of our everyday and it's not some big mysterious taboo thing that we're talking about anymore. And I I believe really amazing things are about to unfold
0: all right well thank you all so much for joining us we want to thank you for accepting us for appreciating us and for all the gratitude that you've shown by making donations with the positive comments on our instagram account and the podcast reviews you keep us coming back and doing more and we love our community and we have great gratitude to all of you for listening and joining us in this journey
1: keep your spirits and your vision high know that there's a lot more out there and we have a lot of support coming in through the cosmos bridge through us and amongst our fellow starseed brother and sisters here on the planet and we're all here to make the world a better place to be so with that much love to you all until next time aloha take care